Praying. That's exactly what our country needs. It's the 25th of March, 2021. <laughs> you know, I feel like um, ever since yesterday, time has kind of stood a little bit still. Maybe it's just me. Who knows? But it feels like everything was moving fast and now it's moving a little bit slow. So um, yesterday we had some really good chats with the uh, billboard leaders and I, you know, told them something that's um, very disheartening and alarming. And it's like, how do you tell someone this? How do you tell someone that this is happening without them going into panic mode? Because, you know, everyone panicked for toilet paper. Great, PSYOP. Did you see that? I mean, why toilet paper? I mean, is that the first thing you think about when you're shut down that you need to wipe your butt? Uh, I would think it would be milk, uh, water, but it was toilet paper. And then they put restrictions on toilet paper too and paper products. So it's, um, so yesterday I was on my way to go to the doctor. And then after that, I went to Apple to trade in Phoebe's AirPods. I bought the insurance when she got those and it had fallen into like water. So under the insurance, they'll just swap it out. Right. As long as you could bring the AirPod, even if you step on it, whatever, run it over with a car, um, they will replace it. Well, when we were heading off to the doctor, Phoebe was like, I want a snack and you know, I'm going to get a drink. So she went to Starbucks and she was in the Starbucks and there was a guy, he started chatting her up, um, whatever, uh, her drink. And then asked her if he, she knew about a laundromat and she Googled it. She's like, there's one mile away. He's like, we can't go far. Um, cause he was with the army. <laughs> Lo and behold, the Biden, Harris clown show was also in town in Ohio too, which is so weird. And he was really proud that they had injected 6,000 people with the vaccine. So Phoebe proceeds to be like, um, you do know that's actually harmful to the people. I mean, wait a minute. I think she said, did you get the injection? And he was like, oh yeah, yeah, I got it. And she's like, you got the water one, right? The benign one. And so she started talking to him and he was like, oh, you're probably Navy, huh? Or something like that. So I guess the Navy's against it. I don't know. But anyway, um, the conversation went on and she was like, you know, it's bad for them. And, you know, it's, it's not good. And he's like, it doesn't matter. They're going to force it on everyone anyway. This is coming from military. They're going to force it on everyone anyway. And she was like, well, we have to fight that. And he was like, yeah, we do. So that's military. That's what the guy told her, right? Um, so I, I saw them outside where she stopped him and she had that conversation. She actually recorded that part of the conversation. And, um, because I was in the car on the phone 
And I saw her, you know, exchanging words and I'm like, okay, you know, this is a neighborhood, whatever. Um, but it was, you know, it's something that you don't want to tell people because then they freak out, but then you have to think to yourself, well, by not telling them you're doing more harm. So what military was this and who's doing this? Um, I haven't, I've, um, I have to be good. <laughs> Can't use my technology that much. Um, you know, websites go suspended. I, I had to do that one. So I fixed that. My, my site was suspended for a bit. And it was funny because yesterday I mentioned on the call who my host provider is and then it gets suspended. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So, but I fixed that. So anyway, um, I thought I would tell you that because we are seeing a rapid push for vaccines. We're seeing a lot of misinformation coming from actual physicians um, claiming it's FDA approved when we all know it's not. Um, you know, there's a lot of craziness going on. And I thought, you know, to myself after having other conversations yesterday with some people, you know, there's a lot of leftist organizations and publications that are, you know, writing stories about the Capitol. And what's really bizarre is, is that these journalists, which have been doing it for a while, and most of them are just lefties by nature. So they're not controlled to what they have to say because they always align with it. But the shocking thing is, is that all of them came to the conclusion of Akbar. But then they said some things and I was like, well, I guess that's my cue to talk about it. So we're going to talk about that because, you know, a lot of people are wondering, how did Ali Akbar get so much influence? How did, you know, the White House decide that, you know, the campaign people decide that they're going to slot him in? Like who made that move? Well, we all know about Lincoln, right? We all know the influence and the penetration they had. I mean, remember, their leader... I worked for under Edelman so that I can see what the hell he was doing on my own. I pretended I applied for a job, legit penetrated that organization. I'm just saying. So today we're going to discuss how this came along because yesterday as we were chatting, you know, because I consider you guys, we're all together, right? We're one nation, one people, right? You're my people. I'm your people. You're my people there was a little bit of spilling tea. And then I was like, everything just was like, you know, I just stood on the moon last night and I was like, oh man, how did I miss this? How did I miss this? I didn't miss it. It's just that it was, it's kind of like this, you know how you're fixing something, right? And you have like tools, but they're all in a different place. You're still using all the tools. You're just not putting them in one place. So what happened yesterday, standing on the moon, I put it all in one place and I was like, oh, damn. So here's where you're going to get disappointed today too. We're going to talk about that. And then we're also going to talk about, okay, it's Greek Independence Day, but we don't have to talk about the independence part. It's two year, it, the, the rough thing is it's a 200 year anniversary. They were slaves, not asking for reparations either. They actually pardoned the debt you know, just saying, just wanted to point that out. They were slaves for 400 years, persecuted for their religion. The Russian helped them, uh, you know, gain their independence. But what we're going to talk about is 
what democracy was being philosophized as. What, what actual, what does democracy really mean and why when they invented it, they said, well, bad idea and why it was said so and how it was done so. And I'll tell you why it was done so. Because today I'm going to introduce you to a word that many of you may not know, but it's actually considered the only Greek word that is untranslatable. Like there is no word on the planet that you can translate that word into. And that's what's missing. In order to have a true democracy, meaning that the people govern themselves, you have to have that magic word, that secret word that everybody knows what it means, but there's no word for it. There is no word for it. So we're going to listen to a Harvard professor talk about that. So after we get into all that, I don't know, do we do bad news in the middle? I think bad news in the middle. Let's start with a few news newsies, throw in the bad news, and then we'll talk about freedom, democracy, and that secret sauce that was missing. And that's something that I'm seeing that you Americans in the chat rooms, in the Telegram groups, I mean, I think the only way that you have that secret sauce is with the awakening. So it's kind of, um, it's kind of awesome. It's, it's actually super awesome. So I, you know, so today I'm kind of like from the seat of my pants. Um, so I want to start with, um, Greg Kelly and yesterday he kind of had this thing. We need to talk about Kamala. I want us to talk a little bit about Kamala. Like I told you guys ages ago, you know, she's just foaming at the mouth, drooling, standing behind Biden, waiting. She is. We know this. And we know that they all knew that he was incompetent and they sacrificed our national security to place him there regardless, right? Regardless. So without getting into that detail, let's have a listen to what Greg Kelly said. Or, excuse me, President Harris, that's what Joe Biden calls her. Um, you see how giddy she is in this picture? Uh, she's often giddy when it's about her, but when it's about America, she becomes very glum and she highlights anything negative about the United States. The Boulder, Colorado shooting, a horrible, horrible event. We lost 10 of our neighbors, Americans, right? Here he is. This is what they're not telling you about him, that he is a Trump hater. That he is person believed to doesn't be Muslim. exist. He com. has perceived Islamic persecution throughout his life. And most news outlets are ignoring the fact that he was born in Syria. So let's take it this way. The left wanted it to be someone white, but it wasn't. The left then told the world that everyone's going to say it's a jihadi because they're racist, right? But now you see that the guy is from Syria and we just did the same thing we did back then, didn't we? Oh, unmanned drone strikes, killing Syrians. And he decided, poke this. Stop. Stop. This person does not exist.com. This person does not exist.com. This person doesn't exist.com. Remember that website, person doesn't exist.com? You should go see it because just gonna damn that shadow net, right? Person doesn't exist.com. Person doesn't exist.com. Person doesn't exist.com. Americans, right? 
Here he is. This is what they're not telling you about him, that he is a Trump hater. He is believed to be Muslim. He has perceived Islamic persecution throughout his life. And most news outlets are ignoring the fact that he was born in Syria. Again, media and Democrats. Now, for Kamala Harris, who made uh, an appearance today on network television, uh, it was all about, after kind of perfunctory mention of the victims, she wanted to change the conversation, or maybe it was changed for her, to talk about Atlanta and the hate crime that happened there. That's what they all are insisting, that last week it was a hate crime. And that gave her another opportunity to badmouth this country. Look, you've got... Uh six Asian American women mm -hmm. in Asian American businesses. Um, and, you know, that just when you look at it, you have to ask this question, which is what is going on? And, and the, the seriousness of API hate crime, especially over the course of the last year, is profound. I think we have to be clear that we have a history in America that we need to deal with, a history that included the Chinese Exclusion Act mm -hmm. uh, in, as a law, um, uh, that we interned Japanese Americans who also fought for the liberties of Americans um, in, in war. And, and, and we have this rise in hate crimes. We also need to speak the truth about our history and not gloss over it. We need to also talk about what we must do to, to really think about how we define who is an American. We know our history. She is the vice president of the United States. We already know about the mistakes America made, all right? What about unifying the country, what Joe Biden promised to do? Remember that? And notice her demeanor, again, when she talks about America in these terms. When she's talking about herself, not only does she light up, her entire family lights up. I wanna bring her niece into this conversation. Yeah, her niece. Her name is Mina Harris, and it's not some distant relative. Uh, they're in touch. They like each other. She had a big speaking role at the Democratic National Convention. You're showing my daughters and so many girls around the world who look like them what's possible and what it's like to move the world as fierce, formidable, phenomenal women. And in their I wonder if Jesse Smollett is going to have a cameo in this her own unique way. We're so proud of you, Auntie. Proud, proud, proud of Kamala. And Kamala is proud of herself. But the problem is that I have, they don't seem to be particularly into America. They don't seem to appreciate America. This ignorant person, Mina Harris, niece of the vice president, tweeted this, and I think it's worthy to show again. Let's go ahead. This is before we knew the identity of the shooter. She said the Atlanta shooting was not even a week ago. Violent white men are the greatest terrorist threat to our country. She had to delete it when she found out the truth. But look. You know, it, what's important is, is that it seems that Kamala Harris knows like all of these shooters and, you know, lynching people, you know, like her nephew, Jesse or Juicy, however you want to call it. Um, it's like they know. <laughs> oh, so funny. Asian hooker lives matter. See, it was a guy that probably, you know, was pissed off, you know, that he paid the $5, lo love me long time and didn't get it. What about the fact that these women were being trafficked? Oh, I'm sorry. It was a spa. That's right.
Look at this. I deleted a previous tweet about the suspect in the Boulder shooting. I made an assumption based on his being taken into custody alive and the fact that the majority of mass shootings in the U.S. are carried out by white men. This is what she believes about America. Again, very, very close to her aunt, the vice president. Uh, they take pictures together all the time. And also, they had a great big book project. Um, Mina apparently got a little bit carried away being the niece of the vice president. Kamala and Maya's big idea. A lot of people at the White House didn't like this. Now, you would think that those horrible, ugly tweets from the niece of the vice president, and they're very close, might have been brought up in that interview this morning. Uh, Gail King did not bring it up. How about that, huh? Are you surprised the mainstream media not trying to, um, not bringing something like that up? Why would Gail not go there, huh? Because she's probably friends with these people, all right? She runs in those circles. Okay, so she's probably friends with those people. Friends with the, talk about clicks, right? Talk about clicks, gangs. Let's call them gangs. There's the leftist gang, the leftist political gang, the leftist, we're really in charge of the left and the right gang. There's the, we're the right gang. There's the decoder gang. It's all gangs, all squared away in nice, neat little packages. <laughs> I don't see any gang America. She certainly does. Uh, maybe if she's not that friendly with Kamala, I know she's pretty friendly with Barack Obama. And guess who's friendly with Barack Obama as well? Kamala Harris, okay? They've got a lot in common, these two. It's all about looks. It's all about optics. Barack Obama and Kamala Harris I'm talking about right now. I thought this was amazing, and I want to show it to you again. This photograph of her arriving in Florida, which is handling COVID. Hey, Florida, help is here. This is a Twitter message, and this is the picture that she posted with this message. It's just me getting off a plane. Aren't I fabulous? Just me showing up. That is enough. She really is a silly <laughs> and vain woman. I'm sorry. We're all seeing it. We're all getting to know you, Kamala. How about your reaction to should you go to the border? Why would you go to the border? There's a crisis there, right? I mean, this is a problem. They asked her. Here's her response. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> That's not her. She never had a tattoo. Look Life's at that tattoo grand. right she gets there. To fly on jets and she gets you see to the go tattoo? on TV. That's not even her. her. Any questions that are too, too challenging. And the media are going along. Let's remember Laura Loomer caught her in Florida and it was a body double and she was exposed for that. That's not her. There's a tattoo like right here. I'm just saying. <laughs> not today. You can hear it. That's not her voice. Take a listen again. There's a crisis there, right? I mean, this is a problem. They asked her. Here's her response. Do you plan to visit the border? Uh, um, not today. <laughs> <laughs> Life's grand. She gets to fly on jets and she gets to go on network TV and they don't ask her any questions that are too, too challenging. And the media are going along with the administration's narrative that the killings in Boulder, very unfortunate event. It's time to talk about gun control. They're not talking about the obvious, that the shooter, his background, um, his perceived persecution uh, for being Islamic. Uh, what else? Uh, his anti-Trump 
uh, posts on Facebook. Significant factor in the shooting. The arrest warrant affidavit reveals he lived with family members 20 miles from the crime scene. Police say a black Mercedes C sedan registered to one of the suspect's brothers was found on the scene with a green rifle case in the front passenger compartment. Looks like they're giving you a lot of information, but they really aren't. They really aren't. The key things uh, that folks want to know about what motivated him, it's not. Can you see the lighting too? They just made him look as white as possible. They wanted to make him look redneckish. Not there. And yes, all of these mass shooters have mental problems. We know that. Um, but again, he's a Trump hater. There's a digital trail of that. He perceives that he's being persecuted because he's um, is Muslim. Uh, there's a digital trail of that. Uh, but that doesn't fit the narrative. It doesn't fit the narrative, so they ignore or minimize this information. Now, that clip I just showed you was from the Today Show. As the show um, went on, about an hour later, they even took that information out of the story. They say we get started with our news at 8 o'clock. The 21-year-old suspect in Monday's mass shooting in Colorado has been charged with 10 counts of first-degree murder, and now profiles are, of, are emerging of the victims and the many lives they touched. All right, that's it for questions about the suspects. And look, it's right to uh, talk about the victims. But um, again, these basic facts, born in Syria, Muslim, perceived Islamic uh, persecution, persecuted because of his faith, um, and a Trump hater. These are key facts. They may not like them, but they are pertinent. Are they? Can we agree on that? I mean, last week in the aftermath of the Atlanta shooting, Somehow, in that case, the race, the faith, uh, all those characteristics were very, very central to decoding what happened in that matter. Here's a suspect, okay? He's a 21-year-old white man. This 21-year-old white male mass murderer. The suspect arrested 150 miles away after a chase is a white man. He's a white soy man. Soy man, not a Trump supporter, a soy boy, the one that will tell you that you should feel bad that you're white, the one that screams Black Lives Matter, the one that he, he's just really soy. But, you know, here we go. The suspect in custody is white. This has not been labeled a hate crime. But on one level, the motive doesn't matter because Regardless, it generated fear in the Asian American community. Now, the matter in Boulder, obviously, is a hate crime, a terrorist attack, a domestic terrorist attack. You can put the word alleged there. I'll put the word alleged there. But the circumstantial evidence is real. There is a hate crime staring him in the face. Yet Atlanta, they're just grasping at straws. They, they want to call the non-hate crime a hate crime. And the actual hate crime, they just want to call uh, a terrible mass shooting, and uh, we've seen these before. Again, with the hate crime from Atlanta. There are a lot of intense discussions here about potential hate crimes. Police not ruling out a hate crime amid a rise in anti-Asian attacks. It should be called a hate crime. Authorities have not ruled out whether the crimes were racially motivated. There are plenty of people who believe that this. Damn, look at all those massage parlors. All was a hate crime. The idea that this was a hate crime. Officials are not calling this a hate crime, but not ruling it out. 
Amazing, right? Pushing an agenda. They really want to call what happened in Atlanta a hate crime when it was just a guy that was pissed off. Maybe they laughed at the size or maybe they took his money and didn't love them a long time. You know, that's basically what happened. I mean, come on. But it's a hate crime. When the majority of the hate crimes are not white people doing it to Asians. Let's be straight. So he said, must act. Now, now I told you a while ago, they're just coming for your guns, period. They're coming. And every single gathering and event you attend is just a welcoming invitation for them to infiltrate. I mean, look, they infiltrated the Trump campaign. They infiltrated the Trump staffers. And they infiltrated one of the most beautiful patriotic days that could have been the most beautiful patriotic day in history. And you think they're not going to find you at some rally that you go to or some speech. Okay. My bad. You guys were thumping them. You spent your money on them and they betray you, but okay. Okay. Fair enough. You know, best. I mean, the fact that we have all these zoom calls and they are organizing all this stuff makes absolutely, you know, nope. It just happens there doesn't translate into the real, real world. What have we seen? Huh. So speaking about acting, Rand Paul made it really clear. Take a listen to what he had to say. That no scientific studies have shown significant numbers of reinfections of patients previously infected or previously vaccinated. What specific studies do you cite to argue that the public should be wearing masks well into 2022? I'm not sure I understand the connection of what you're saying about masks and reinfection. We're talking about people who have never been infected before. You're and telling everybody to wear a mask, whether they've had an infection or a vaccine. What I'm saying is they have immunity and everybody agrees they have immunity. What studies do you have that people that have had the vaccine yeah. or have had the infection are spreading the infection? If we're not spreading the infection, isn't it just theater? No, you it's had not the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let, let, let's get down to the facts. OK, the studies that you quote from Crotty and Sete look at in vitro examination of memory immunity, which in their paper, they specifically say this does not necessarily pertain to the actual protection. It's in vitro. And what study Are, can you point to that shows significant let, reinfection? There are no studies that show just significant let, let, me, let me finish the response to your question, if you please. The other thing is that when you talk about reinfection and you don't keep in the concept of variance, that's an entirely different ball game. That's a good reason for a mask. In the South African study, conducted by J&J. &J, South African. Found that people who were infected with mm -hmm. wild type and were exposed to the variant in South Africa, the 351, it was as if they had never been infected before. They had no protection. So when you talk about reinfection, you've got to make sure you're talking about wild type. I agree with you that you very likely would have protection from wild type for at least six months if point you're infected, but we in our country now have variants that are circulating. Significant reinfection. What study shows significant reinfection, hospitalization, and death after either natural infection or the vaccine? 
it doesn't exist. There is no evidence that there are significant reinfections after vaccine. In fact, I don't think we have a hospitalization in the United States after the two-week period after the second vaccination. Yeah, you have a death in the United States. You're not hearing what I'm saying about variants. We're talking about wild-type versus variants. And what, now, proof reinf- there, what proof is there that there are significant reinfections with hospitalizations and death from the variants? None in our country. Zero. Well, because we don't have a prevalent of a variant yet. We're having one. Can I finish? We're well, having one one seven that's becing more dominant. Policy based on conjecture. No, you it, have the. It isn't based that we're on conjecture. Variants, so you some you want people to wear a mask for another couple of years. No, you've been vaccinated and you parade around in two masks for show. No, you can't get it again. There's almost there's virtually zero percent chance you're going to get it. And yet you're telling people with them that have had the vaccine who have immunity. You're defying everything we know about immunity by telling people to wear a mask to vaccinate. No. Instead, you should be saying there is no science right. to say we're going to have a problem from the large number of people being vaccinated. You want to get rid of vaccine hesitancy? Tell them they can quit wearing their mask after they get the vaccine. Okay. You want people to get the vaccine? Give them a reward instead of telling them that the nanny state's going to be there for three more years and you got to wear a mask forever. People don't want to hear it. There's no science behind it. Well, let me just state for the record that masks are not theater. Masks are protective. And we have immunity there, theater. If you already have immunity, you're wearing a mask to give comfort to others. You're not wearing a mask because of any sign. I totally disagree with you. Dr. Fauci, if you could respond so that we could understand the difference between the uh, virus itself and the variants and the reason for a mask. I'm sorry, ma'am, I can't be. If you could um, respond to the question so that we could all understand the difference between the vaccine in uh, controlling the wild type versus the variants that are out there and the reason for wearing a mask, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, I mean, yes. First of all, when you have a variant, you have an immunity that you get with convalescent. Sarah, and the same sort of thing. If I vaccinate you or me against the wild type, you get a certain level of antibody that's specific for a particular viral strain. If there's a circulating variant, you don't necessarily have it. You have some spillover immunity to be sure, but you diminish by anywhere from two to eightfold the protection. So the point I'm saying is that there are variants in now circulating. The point that Senator Paul was making was that if you look at wild type only, there is some clear cut credence to what he's saying. But we are living right now in a situation where we're having a dominance of 117, which was the original UK. We have a very troublesome variant in New York City, a 526. We've got two variants in California, a 427, 429. And we have a number of others. So we're not dealing with a static situation of the same virus. That was the only point I'm making. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. So this never ends. In other words, what the fuck? You should just all wear gas masks and stay away from everyone. There's no point in living anymore. Just take your life because it's never going to be over. We're going to have variants and variants and variants. And we're going to cite studies at Interpol and the UN funded from South Africa to justify it because there is no proof and there is no evidence. I see. I see. Speaking of vaccines and their safety, let's go to Pakistan. Let's see what's going on in Pakistan. Here we go. They've bought in total over 1 million doses of two Chinese vaccines from Sinopharm and CanSino. 
Actually, Sinopharm is the vaccine their Prime Minister Imran Khan took publicly. He tested positive for COVID-19 two days later. He had mild symptoms and another Pakistan official said he was certain that the Prime Minister was infected before he got the shot. So the Prime Minister, Mr. Khan, takes the vaccine and then gets COVID two days later. Oh, don't worry. He had it before the vaccine. It just so happened. Because we didn't test to see if he had COVID before we gave him the vaccine. He just took it because we don't test. Steph, back to you. And two more Virginia counties passed resolutions last night condemning the Chinese Communist Party's forced organ harvesting from prisoners of conscience. The counties now joining a national and global effort to end the Communist Party's brutal human rights violations. NTD's Melita Wise Cup brings us more from Virginia. Here in Virginia, Spotsylvania County tonight, board members passed a resolution to condemn the Chinese government's forced organ harvesting against prisoners of conscience. Now, there was an article that I wrote over a year ago on how the state of Illinois and other states have decided that when your child gets their um, driver's license, they can choose to be an organ donor at the age of 14, which is pretty crazy. Because let me tell you something. If you want to donate your organs to someone, if you die, tell your family about it. Have it in a will. Let someone you know and love know, right? Let them have all the science. <laughs> Boy, you better double check that shit, especially if you're an O-neg. Because uh, if you're special, they will harvest it regardless. Forced organ harvesting from prisoners. Over the past decade, reports have uncovered that the CCP has been killing prisoners of conscience to supply its organ transplantation industry. Many of the harvested organs come from people who are persecuted for their beliefs, such as Falun Dafa practitioners. My husband died from the persecution. I'm family broken. My the business lost. Jailed for seven years for practicing Falun Gong, thankfully she wasn't one of the tens of thousands who fell prey to the regime's organ harvesting abuse. To criminalize someone just to take um, something that so is so precious to their life is is just inhumane. Now, therefore, be it resolved by the Spotsylvania County Board of Supervisors that it condemns in the strongest possible terms the persecution of Falun Gong and the state-sponsored organ harvesting of all prisoners of conscience currently being carried out by the Chinese Communist regime. And every day, more and more Americans are taking a stance against this inhumane act. Let's stand up and be strong and say, stop it. This Virginia county is the ninth county in the state to pass such a resolution against the CCP's human rights abuses. And we don't want anything like this to go unnoticed. So you started at the local level and it works its way up. Uh, the grassroots campaigns have been very successful here in Virginia. And uh, we want to see if this one can take off and go forward. The U.S. Huh. Sounds like we've been right all along. Guys, if you start local, then another local, and another local, then it becomes state, then it goes federal. Oh, crap. Look at that. Fixing your communities to get shit done. Uh, what we've been saying for a very, very long time. But you know what's weird is that Virginia was the one that had the infanticide bill, too. But I guess that started at the top, not from the bottom. Because I don't know if local counties would be okay with a woman 
delivering a baby and then saying, you know what, just kill it. And they'd be like, okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> if the head's still in the canal, right? Congress already passed a resolution, but it hasn't made it to the Senate floor yet. But efforts at the federal level have resurfaced again. Congress members introduced a bipartisan bill dubbed the Stop Forced Organ Harvesting Act. And House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has voiced support for it. And it doesn't stop with the U.S. Global efforts are underway, too. For example, Israeli prohibits insurance companies from reimbursing transplants received in countries that violate Israeli organ trade and trafficking guidelines. But activists say further international efforts are needed to combat the ongoing atrocity. So, you know, this effort isn't in vain because what's to come or what is supposed to come, that, that outcome that is supposed to come that's being fought so hard, this is a mitigation just in case, you know, unfortunately the plan is always the people. And if the people don't wake up fast enough, this is going to be quite important because let's fast forward. Let's fast forward and think that they will get what they want. It's a really bleak future. Everyone gets vaccinated. They specific cohorts they wanted to eliminate, they eliminate with the rest in Ebola. And suddenly those that don't contribute to society, like people like the likes of, you know, Cuomo and, you know, entertainment industry and movie makers and actors, they need a new liver. And, and, and you're just a guy that sits in your home and processes data for them. Uh, so that you can get some crumbs and live in the housing that they afford you so that you can get rations um, and possibly toilet paper. Um, you know, if you're not doing that good of a job and if you're not advanced in your data entry or data processing, you'll just have to use your hand. Uh, but you're special. You're a match because they have your DNA on file for, I don't know, the liver that, you know, Cipollone needs. And so people come to your house and they arrest you and tell people that you committed a thought crime or that you stole something. And then um, you're punished and no one is supposed to see you. Or they could say that you were reinfected with um, a new strain of COVID and they come and take you. And um, yeah, and then they just take your liver and give it to him because he's important and you're not. So these efforts um, should always be in place. Forced organ harvesting shouldn't even be a question. <laughs> I mean, in what reality is forcing to take your heart while it's beating in your chest to give it to someone else is okay. In what reality is that okay? Name one where you would be like, yep, totally. We should take that kid's eyes because so-and-so needs them. The only time you think like that is when you're harvesting those organs from, I don't know, cattle, right? Or, you know, commodities or your consumer products. I mean, you're supposed to be the consumer and you still haven't realized that you're the one being consumed. The only way that these big corporations function is by you consuming. But in fact, they're really consuming you. Sounds really sick. And we have to make laws and nobody really wants to talk about it. And they're debating it if it should be even passed. Um, 
The fact that you're questioning it and you have to make a law for it tells you exactly where the human civilization sits. So the fundamental situation is the CCP uh, live harvesting of Falun Gong practitioners' organ has not been stopped. He says organizations like the WHO have been working with the CCP to deceive the world, and world leaders cannot turn a blind eye to this reality. And with more and more of these types of resolutions being passed on both the local and federal levels, many are hopeful that change is just around the corner. Reporting in Spotsylvania County, Virginia, Melina Weiskup, NTD News. Let's just clarify this. They're practicing a certain spiritual practice, so that makes them criminals, which then means that they could take their organs. You're white. That means you're criminal because they said so. You're racist. That means they could take your organs. You're a, a man and white. That means you're a plague to society. Therefore, they could take your heart out of your chest to give it to a colored person because their life is more important than your, their lives matter. You don't. Do you see where this goes? Do you see how that feels? Do you see where human civilization sits when you actually have to answer questions like this of this is not okay? And wait a minute, are you saying that the World Health Organization that is chaired by Tedros is harboring this? Of course. Don't forget, he sacrificed his own people's children for over 15 years to Jeffrey Epstein and his AI experiments, right? Let's not forget that, okay? That was Tedros that did it, head of his healthcare. Ethiopian children sacrificed for science to the hands of those people in Harvard, Epstein's jet, which by the way, hello, Kamala Harris and Bill Clinton going to empower women? Are we gonna forget the child rape? The Epstein rapes? Are we going to forget all that? Monica Lewinsky was not a willful mistress. Nobody who's a mistress is going to hold on to a dress for proof. She was raped and they created a story saying she was his mistress. And she got a book deal out of it. So disgusting. That society, it's sick. Society has lost its mind and it's okay. It's okay that we're having a conversation. We should create a law that says we shouldn't be forced organ harvesting. Why are we even questioning that? Why are we even questioning that? How is that even a question? You see what I'm saying? How is that even a question? It's like, you know, we should sit here and talk about, you know, um, maybe we should have a law that says that we shouldn't kill people when they turn 60. Why are you making a law like that? In what reality is it okay to say, well, you're 60, now you're going to die? That's the point. The fact that this is even being discussed shows you where society sits. So shows you the crimes against humanity that are happening. And let's put it this way. You know that's happening there. Why the fuck aren't there laws in our country saying that shit? Yeah, you can keep that. It's not allowed here and we condemn it. Why, why, why? They've known this for years and instantly the United States could stand up and say, um, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's super wrong. Oh no, it's not happening though. They want to talk about it and have conversations about it and maybe do a bipartisan bill. Are we kidding right now? Are we kidding? 
It's so insane. So let's take a break. Let's listen to Dianon's new song. Hold on. Did you guys hear it? Mirror, mirror. It's so cool. It is so lit. I simply love it. Did you guys hear it? Okay, we're going to play it. Mirror, mirror. I could see clearer. It was all a movie. We was in the theater. Yeah. They were just acting. We was just clapping. Uh, I wrote it on an napkin and then I started yeah. rapping. They wanted me to follow the leader. Mirror, mirror. I could see clearer. It was all a movie. We was in the theater. Yeah. They was just acting. We was just clapping. Uh, I wrote it on a napkin and then I started yeah. rapping. They wanted me to follow the leader. I told them that I'm faster than a cheetah. And I could spot bullshit a mile away. They the cold and the cold, and I got to pay. Hey, this my lucky day, I guess. And the check is on his chest. I'm expecting nothing less. Cause a lot of people follow them. Titled as he are them. Shout out the OG for lines that I'm borrowing. How cool is that? Everyone's waiting for the drops from Mar-a-Lago. Totally love that. Um, it's available on iTunes because I didn't see it anywhere in the room, uh, the chat room. I went on iTunes. I was checking and checking, and I was like, bye. So I played it yesterday when we were returning from the Apple Store, which, by the way, just wanted to say, dude, there were people lining up on the sidewalk, okay? And there were people on the sidewalks wearing masks, like out in fresh air. I just wanted to say that. And then when I got to Apple, I, you know, obviously Phoebe's 15, so she can't go in there. I'm the one on the insurance policy, the Apple care thing. So, you know, it's like, they're like, yeah, wait here. So I'm standing outside, totally eight feet apart from everyone. Like no one's even near me. He's like, you need to wear a mask. I was like, um, yeah, I know. I go in the store and I have to wear a mask there. I get it. He's like, no, you have to wear one here. I was like on the sidewalk. Yeah, this we we have this and we have we we control this area. And I was like, um, excuse me? And I was like, well, I can't wear a mask. I have a health condition and I can't. And he was like, Yeah, well, you can't stand in line. And I was like, Will my daughter lose her place? He's like, That's okay, I'll get it. So I stood away from the sidewalk, right? I, like away from where the line was, and I just watched everyone just fall in line wearing the masks. I was like, what the f are people that freaking dumb? Like common sense is completely out the window. It's not about you getting sick. It's about following the damn rules. It was the most insane thing I had ever seen. It has nothing to do with health. I was so far away from everyone. No one was around me. And yet here's what I did. <laughs> being me, of course. Uh, so the line is there and they've got these little circles all six to seven feet apart, right? So I go on the other side of their line, two feet away from the first person. They couldn't say shit. They didn't own that part of the sidewalk or they didn't get permission for that side of the sidewalk. This is crazy. It's like, it's only about the rules. It's not about health. It's not. It's about you either comply or you're canceled. And cancel culture, just like Stephen McGrew, right? He's the one that said it, right? If I'm not mistaken, cancel culture is just a minute away from mass killing. Boom. So wherever you can resist, wherever you can do it, put your foot down. And when you comply, 
You know, tell him like when the guy was like, look, I'm just doing my job. I said, that's what the Nazis said when they fired up the fucking ovens. That's what they said. They were just doing their job. That is the most disgusting thing someone can respond to. Disgusting. So, you know, obviously I make it difficult. I am deaf. So when I'm there, I'm like, yeah. So I take off my glasses and then I'm like, I'm deaf. I can't read your lips. And they're like, hold on, let me go get a visor so you can read my lips. I'm like, yeah, go ahead. Because I'm going to make it as difficult as possible when you're forcing me to wear a face diaper so that I can be serviced the way I should. That's it. It's like, it has nothing to do about health. Nothing. So what can we do? Censoring. So Newsmax has been canceled by cable providers as well. Now I'm going to tell you, Newsmax, um, there's only like two people and I've been alerted to a third that are friendlies to America that love their country. Other than that, they're all crap. So um, I want you to see this. How do you feel about your cable provider just canceling a channel because they feel like it? I mean, they don't have to. So then you don't subscribe. That's basically it. You find a way to subscribe. That's the way it is. And two cable providers in Texas, Grande Communications and In Touch are blocking conservative voices like Newsmax TV, yet they keep 11 other cable news channels, including the left-wing biased CNN and MSNBS on the air. Texas State Senator Paul Bettencourt spoke out on Twitter demanding both cable companies and their censorship of Newsmax TV. And we here at Newsmax followed up supporting the senator, uh, Mr. Bettencourt's efforts at promoting free speech and diversity of thought. Joining me now, the man himself, Texas State Senator Paul Bettencourt, El Senator, glad to see you, sir. Now, why is Grande and Touch Houston refusing to allow their customers the choice to watch Newsmax TV? You know, if I knew, I would tell you, Chris, but the bottom line is they won't do it. And that's why I'm speaking out. Look, Newsmax is a conservative voice that people want to listen to. And I'm sorry that if there's some leftist, elitist, leftist, progressive, you know, opinion at these two cable companies, but they need to get over it and they need to adopt a fair and balanced programming uh, card for everyone to have. And it's just sad that, uh, you know, I'm having to comment on what's fundamental free speech in America. They should know better and they should be letting Newsmax onto their programs, uh, I mean, onto their cable systems right now. Well, amen to that. You know, Newsmax TV is home to Diamond and Silk, Michelle Malkin, Joe Pinion, and me, your liberty-loving Latino. Latino. What is the reaction around <laughs> Texas? Yes. Uh, what is the reaction around Texas to Touch and Grande suppressing the most ethnically diverse lineup on cable news and opinion? I tell you, there's almost no pushback from the tweet I made yesterday. It got picked up by Lieutenant Governor Patrick. It got picked up by federal Senator Ted Cruz. And 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 there really is no pushback because there's no basis for it. If you're going to have 11 other news channels on, why not have the number four news channel, which is Newsmax? And, and, but this is an example of what happens when, with conservative uh, companies' voices being silenced by liberal elites and these uh, in these media organizations. So here's how we can fix this. Okay, wanna hear how we're gonna fix this? So you saw how they started talking about the organ harvesting, right? We need to condemn forced organ harvesting. <laughs> the fact that we're having that conversation just tells you where we are, right? Well, why don't we go to our local councils, our counties, and tell them that they need to protect against discrimination. And, you know, that's a leftist word, right? So here's what we say. I want you to protect against discrimination from 
what people wear to express themselves, that they can't be, um, uh, you know, disallowed to go to work because they change their hair color to green. So you make a list. If you want your hair green, you should be able to do it. If you um, listen to specific music, you should be able to do it. Um, and if you have political beliefs, you should be, you have to slide that in. See, you slide it in that if, you know, liberals shouldn't be barred from working at places because of their uh, political beliefs, right? So neither should conservatives. And if you slide that in, it's going to get real messy because you have to prove it. And the leftists can't prove that they're not allowed to get a job and that they're not allowed to get serviced and that they're not allowed to get heard and that they're not allowed to, I don't know, get billboards or that they're not allowed to buy advertising. You can't get liberals, right? To prove that they're being discriminated against as liberals, but sure as hell you can prove the conservatives are. So, you know, I'm just, this is just an idea. This is an idea, an idea. And um, we can change that on a city and state level. I think some states actually have discrimination against political views. I had looked that up a few years ago anticipating this. So I just thought I'd drop that out there and let it percolate. So now let's get to... Um, what governing oneself is and what the secret sauce is. So there were, there is, um, Socrates, he talked about why he hated democracy, right? And he makes some really valid points. And that's because people lack that secret sauce. And we're going to talk about the most untrans, the only untranslatable wor word in the world. Listen to why he, Socrates, hated democracy. We're used to thinking very highly of democracy and by extension of ancient Athens, the civilization that gave rise to it. The Parthenon has become almost a byword for democratic values, which is why so many leaders of democracies like to be photographed there. It's therefore very striking to discover that one of ancient Greece's greatest achievements, philosophy, was highly suspicious of its other achievement, democracy. The founding father of Greek philosophy, Socrates, is portrayed in the dialogues of Plato as hugely pessimistic about the whole business of democracy. In Book 6 of The Republic, Plato describes Socrates falling into conversation with a character called Adimantus and trying to get him to see the flaws of democracy by comparing society to a ship. If you were heading out on a journey by sea, asks Socrates, who would you ideally want deciding who was in charge of the vessel? Just anyone or people educated in the rules and demands of seafaring? The latter, of course, says Adimantus. So why then, responds Socrates, do we keep thinking that any old person should be fit to judge who should be the ruler of a country? Socrates' point is that voting in an election is a skill, not a random intuition. And like any skill, it needs to be taught systematically to people. Letting the citizenry vote without an education is as irresponsible as putting them in charge of a trireme sailing to Samos in a storm. Socrates was to have first-hand catastrophic experience of the foolishness of voters. 
In 399 BC, the philosopher was put on trial on trumped-up charges of corrupting the youth of Athens. A jury of 500 Athenians was invited to weigh up the case and decided by a narrow margin that the philosopher was guilty. He was put to death by hemlock in a process which is, for thinking people, every bit as tragic as Jesus's condemnation has been for Christians. Crucially, Socrates was not elitist in the normal sense. He didn't believe that a narrow few should only ever vote. He did, however, insist that only those who had thought about issues rationally and deeply should be let near a vote. We have forgotten this distinction between an intellectual democracy and a democracy by birthright. We have given the vote to all without connecting it to wisdom. And Socrates knew exactly where that would lead, to a system the Greeks feared above all, demagoguery. Ancient Athens had painful experience of demagogues. For example, the louche figure of Alcibiades, a rich, charismatic, smooth-talking, wealthy man who eroded basic freedoms and helped to push Athens to its disastrous military adventures in Sicily. Socrates knew how easily people seeking election could exploit our desire for easy answers. He asked us to imagine an election debate between two candidates, one who was like a doctor and the other who was like a sweet shop owner. The sweet shop owner would say of his rival, look, this person here has worked many evils on you. He hurts you, gives you bitter potions and tells you not to eat and drink whatever you like. He'll never serve you feasts of many and varied pleasant things like I will. Socrates asks us to consider the audience's response. Do you think the doctor would be able to reply effectively? The true answer, I cause you trouble and go against your desires in order to help you, would cause an uproar among the voters, don't you think? We have forgotten all about Socrates' salient warnings against democracy. We have preferred to think of democracy as an unambiguous good rather than as something that is only ever as effective as the education system that surrounds it. As a result, we have elected many sweet shop owners and very few doctors. Huh. So, you know, I got a lot of flack when I would say, hey, maybe they should have like a civics test right before you're able to vote. Like simple things like name the three branches of government. Name one person on your city council. Uh, do you know why you're voting for this judge? What's their name? Or, <laughs> you know, simple things. See, he's right. We have people that like the sweet shop owner. Look, hey, yo, you, you don't need to work. Don't worry about it. I'll just give you money. Oh, don't worry about healthcare. I'm going to get that for you too. Yeah, that's what's up. And then it's like, but I'm going to raise the cost of your gas so you won't be able to drive. I'm going to raise the, the, the rates for the rent so then you have to rent from me, the government. And I will have a lot of apartment buildings because all the owners won't have renters and they'll have to sell their property to me. So I'll own it. And it's all going to work out. Everyone. See, we have idiots voting. We have people that don't understand. And civics, totally out the window. Nobody really knows what's going on. They don't even know how to file taxes. They don't even understand that taxation is theft, right? They don't even understand how the government is formed. They don't understand where their taxes go. They don't understand how the government is just giving away money and it's debt and it's the IMF that's actually making bank. They don't know. So they go to a ballot box though. Hmm. And the guy that pointed it out was put to death because people just don't want to hear the truth. They will kill the truth rather than hear it. And here's the thing. One day, I'll, I'll give you an example. One day I got a phone call 
from an agency and they said, you speak this language. We need you to be an interpreter for them. Can we call you in 10 minutes on this and, and we'll have it secure and right. And I said, I'm sorry, I am not going to interpret for that language because it would be irresponsible of me to interpret for that language because I don't know their dialect and I would be able to translate words, but not their meaning correctly. So you'll have to get a native speaker. I am a fluent speaker, not a native speaker, right? I mean, I just said no to five grand for half an hour of my time because it was that important because it would be irresponsible, right? Because I knew that my words would be that person's words and those words would mean wait. And even though I would be able to interpret the words correctly, interpreting words has a cultural back to it. It's kind of like the way British people speak and Americans speak and how they, how there's a culture behind the words we use. It's the same with them. Now, here's the thing. Why did I do that? I didn't do it because I didn't want to feel guilty. It's five grand. I'm doing my job and I know that I could do it perfectly. I've done it in, in zones where bullets are flying over people's heads and it was fine because right then and there, we didn't give a shit about the motions and the pre man without giving a, the, the, the whole surrounding, you know, thing. We just needed to know information, right? We didn't care about the context. We cared about the content. So it, it was something that I had to do because it was the right thing to do, right? And a lot of people lack that. There's a lot of people that will sit and say, are you dumb? Like, why? And, and you know what? Getting someone else that was, you know, native, and maybe they just say native because when I speak the other languages, I sound native, right? But I don't feel native because I haven't embodied their culture in order to do it. So, What's the difference between me and another person that will claim they're native or are native? The work product would have been the same. All the words would have been the same. I mean, you're translating, right? But it would have been that extra sauce, right? Um, to give those words dimension. So the difference between me and, you know, next man that would do it is that, uh, you know, it's it's a word called philatimo. And it, it's something that you can't translate that's actually the word. So there is a video done by the No Foundation. And now it's not the holiday for today for the Greeks. It's on the 28th of October. I could tell you that when they said no, they did it for that reason, because it was the right thing to do, right? It was that feeling of honor, duty of doing to others, right? That's it. It's like, it's ingrained in you. The duty to do to others. There's no self-preservation in that action, right? And they said no to the Nazis. Little did they know that after they said no to the Nazis and they gave a little bit of leg up to the allies, the Greeks got screwed. After that, the EU came up and, and that was it for them. They were done. No sovereignty. But regardless, the intention was that. When people vote, right, when you take that responsibility and have your voice put in there, you vote with the information you have, the knowledge you have, and that feeling of the honor to be able to govern yourself.
When people drop a vote because someone paid them $500 or because, yeah, man, we're going to get reparations, right? They're not honoring themselves. They're not respecting themselves. They're actually quite cheapifying themselves a lot. So um, this is from the Washington, I can't believe they politicized this. Like I'm so against this, but the, 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 the video and the audio are pretty, pretty good. Take a listen. The ancient Greeks are most well known for creating democracy and modern medicine, but they also created other important concepts like trial by jury, free speech, individual rights, civilian control over the military, separation between religion and government, middle-class egalitarianism and constitutional government. They also pioneered the study of mathematics, abstract geometry, trigonometry, biology, zoology, botany, astronomy, and atomic theory. Maps with latitude and longitude, the theory the Earth is round, measuring the Earth's circumference within 10% accuracy, the wheelbarrow, the crane, the pulley, the catapult, the lever, the steam engine, the thermometer, the odometer, indoor heating and plumbing, and the alarm clock. The Greeks were the first to stop Hitler's Axis forces and credited by the United States, Russia, and Great Britain with being essential to Hitler's defeat. They weren't surpassed in their courage, saving their Jewish community from the Holocaust. The Greeks have pioneered in so many ways for the greater good of humankind. They have showed courage throughout history and have been on the right side of history. What is their secret? Perhaps it is the idea of philotimo. What is philotimo? No other language is a word for this uniquely Greek term. It is considered a complex constellation of values that is difficult to define. All Greeks know it, even if they've never heard the word before, until now. It's hard to think of a word more packed with meaning, more packed with um, positive values than philotimo. It's a perfect word. Philotimo. I'd actually say uniquely Greek uh, concept. It seemed to sum up the best of the Greek character. It's a word that describes a way of life. Philotimia. The sense of how people feel towards humanity, fellow humans. The Greek spirit of doing what's right and what's honorable, even when one's own interests and maybe even one's own life are placed in peril. Whether it means you're going to earn less money, whether it means that not everybody is going to love you. Philotimia means you're doing it based on your whole sense Beauty. I believe philotimo is the most unique word that a human being has to express himself. The ancient Greeks were smart enough to come up with a word that described things that are subtle, that have nuances. It's not very easily translatable uh, unless you, you bring together many different elements. Duty, honor, courage, personal sacrifice, higher calling. Taking pride in their work. Compassion and generosity. It's about honor, it's also about knowledge. A duty to do what is right. To rise above pettiness and the trivialities. Human kindness, empathy. Humility and pride. Love of family, love of country. And to think about uh, those that uh, maybe haven't been quite as fortunate. It is within the DNA uh, of Greeks and I think of humanity overall. But it's something which has to be inspired. Most of us, and certainly in my case, I try to live up to the word as, as, as often as I can in my life. To live not just for yourself, but for something larger than yourself. All of these things embody uh, not only the classical idea of the Greek people, 
but but some of the attributes of the modern Greeks, including Greek Americans. If we live by these values, we will uh, do well and thrive. Philotimo comes from the two Greek words, philos, which means friend, and timi, which is honor. Philotimo could be translated as love of honor or respect for honor. It's love and honor, but it's not the honor about you, it's the honor within you that's inculcated generationally. Every once in a while, you're put to the test as to whether you have philodemon, how much philodemon you have. We derive our personal honor in significant measure for, for those things we engage in that are beyond our own self-interest. Honor, glory, the desire to be remembered motivated some of the most heroic acts in ancient Greek history. You find it in the great battles. You find it at the Pass of Thermopylae. They knew that they were going to die. There were 300 Spartans against all the Persians. But there was no greater glory than dying for their country, their way of life. They knew that they're going to pay a very heavy price, the heaviest price that you can ever pay, but they still did what they thought was the right thing to do. They figured out at a basic level that reciprocity, the act of ruling and being ruled by others and doing it in a reciprocal way. It works. Each individual contributing to the whole of Greek society in the ancient world, I think, propelled all kinds of ancillary developments. It was a very fertile ground for critical thinking. Even after Rome conquered Greece, they really didn't conquer their uh, culture. Their culture conquered Rome. It carried over from the ancient Greeks through the Byzantine period into modern Greek culture today. Uh, and it is really a remarkable treasure uh, that has permeated every aspect of Western civilization uh, and really part and parcel of what makes up most of the democracies of the world now. Philotimo as a composite and complex term. I'm just going to pause it for a second there. So all those people that are listening on the podcast should know that you saw people from the Brookings Institute right? Atlantic Council, Huffington Post, Ariana Huffington is Greek. These are all Greek Americans, people that own every single think tank and organization that has crushed our nation. We're speaking about something that they've never done. Now you're hearing the former Archbishop Demetrius, who was fired after he praised President Trump. There were some words that he spoke with the president and it got him fired. Okay. It was so crushing. Tomorrow, actually, I'm going to be showing you a clip of um, a former archbishop, like the head of the whole Greek church in Greece 20 years ago, who spoke of today back then. Um, this man was so wise, Demetrius. He was so by my side when I said, you know, we really need to stop you know, Vox, and we need to stop, you know, um, MTV. We need to stop this because this is just terrible, you know, for that TV show. He was the only person by my side and, and I got it done because I appealed to him without using any, you know, clout or anything. You know, obviously I did use like my little tactics with the, with the Mason side of them. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to be dropping some serious shit on Podesta if this isn't fixed. I got it fixed though. I took down MTV show. They spent a shit ton of money and I cut that off one episode air and that's it. But this guy was a true, you know, Christian, regardless if he was Orthodox, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter. He was 
he was actually, I think later in life, sometimes it just clicks, right? And it was at that time that it clicked for him uh, after the election of President Trump, after seeing the United States in so many shapes and form. Because you have to remember that the churches, the Catholic church, the Greek church, the Russian church, the Coptic church, the rabbis, all of them have immense control over DC. I want to stress that real hard so you understand it. Involving decency, dignity, respect, honesty, truthfulness, sincerity. You might use the term in a motivating power for a child. Have the philotimo of doing your homework. Or you might have something in a condition of philanthropy, philanthropic assistance. Then there is an equation for me. Don't you have the philotimo to assist the people who are in need? In the New Testament, we have three times we have the usage of the term as a verb by St. Paul. One of them is very beautiful. He says, Philotimume, I'm, I have this type of noble ambition to come to Rome, writing to the Romans, and even preach the gospel and elaborate the gospel to you. What God asks us to do is to give in others without asking for anything in return, but love and affection. Whenever you mention the word philotimo to a Greek, you're always going to see a softening of the eye. I was born and raised in Greece, so philotimo was a word that I heard all my life. My, my mother, my father would always talk about philotimo. My, my grandparents would always talk about philotimo. My parents, my sister. <laughs> My teachers, my classmates, everybody. My Greek background gave me strength of character. What does that mean? Don't pick on me, you're going to get a poke in the nose. When I played the music very loud, and by doing so I was disturbing the neighbors, my father would say, don't you have any philotimo? Every time that you deviate from honorable and decent and dignified way of behaving and living, People will ask you, don't you have philotimo? If you don't act correctly, the community will look down on you. You don't only embarrass yourself, you embarrass your entire family. When you go outside of your home, you're not just going by yourself. You're taking the name of your father and your mother with you. That is a very unique aspect of, of our community and our culture. You feel as though you are accountable uh, much far beyond yourself, to your family, to your community, and to your history, your legacy. You can see Philotimo today during Greece's Great Depression. People rallied around each other and society kept its cohesion. I would actually call it an, a sort of a binding undercurrent of what unites Greeks around the world together. The great philosopher Thales, what he said that Philotimo is like you breathe. I went all over the country in 1987 asking Greeks to support me for mayor of San Francisco. There was only one reason they did it. It was out of philotimo. Greeks pride themselves on being uh, very hospitable, very warm people. There is something within the Greek American subculture, something within Hellenism that has some magic to it. But what is it? And nobody can put their finger on it. And I think the answer may be it is Philotimo. Our group employs many thousands of people and we have contracts in place with few of them. What it means is that the value of one's word is more than the value of one's contract. Philotimo.
I was conscious of it every time I gave a speech, every time I had a press conference, every time I made a decision, every time I was in public, every time I was in private, I wanted to make my people proud. And for me, that emanates from Filotimo. We came penniless. We've been fortunate to come in a country where there are so many opportunities, and using our Filotimo, you really help us get ahead. The Greeks that came here in the early 1900s were universally 100% of them poor and uneducated. Within one generation, they ranked among the top of Americans in terms of education and in terms of income. Greeks uh, around the world, both here and, and elsewhere, are accomplishing amazing things. With Philotimo playing in the background, I think there's a strong sense amongst the Greeks that we're pretty special people. In the great conflicts of the 20th century, World War I, World War II, and in the Cold War, Greece was always on the right side of history. When Mussolini asked Metaxa, the Greek prime minister, for free passage through Greece, immediately, on the spot, three o'clock in the morning, said, oi, no. It was his philodimo that made him say no. The response, oi, by the Greek people to the attack by fascist Italian army was based on philodimo was the first victory that the Allies had, and it was very, very spirited. That was a monumental demonstration of heroism, heroism that drove Churchill to say, it is not the Greeks that fight like heroes, it is the heroes that fight like Greeks. After trying to decimate the Greek community, they started going after the Jewish community. And you had some heroes like the Archbishop of Athens, Damaskinos. Including the mayor and bishop of the island of Saginfors. In 1943, the German military commander ordered Metropolitan Chrysostomos and the mayor of Zakynthos to prepare a list of the Jewish community on the island. His goal was to deport them to concentration camps in Poland. The order had already gone out that any Greek hiding a Jew will be executed on the spot. Instead of preparing such a list, the Metropolitan and the mayor went to the Jewish community on the island and sent them into hiding in the mountains or with Christian friends in the countryside. Metropolitan Chrysostomos and the mayor then returned the German military commander with a piece of paper that contained only their two names. They told the commander it was the entire list of the Jewish community of Zakynthos. These two leaders embodied everything that that word tries to encapsulate. People risked their lives to protect people. And I think that that separates us to, to a certain degree uh, and identifies us with Philotimo. You think of the golden rule, uh, you treat others as, as, as uh, you would want to be treated. It embodies that rule, but then takes it almost to an even higher level, like almost reach beyond what you would expect or want for yourself and do even better. It really ultimately means what it is to live a good life. And I think it's extremely important that we make sure that the next generations realize that. We have to go to the next level and we have to act on it. All of us individually and inspire others to also do the same. I try to teach my kids that the way that they are remembered is the way that they treat others. Every transaction in life leaves an image in someone else's mind of who you are and what you value. We try to give our kids all the things that we never had. And sometimes we really should focus on giving them what we did have. This Philotimo, this greatness is within their DNA.
And if they can better tap into this filotimo that their ancestors have used throughout time, they too can accomplish great things. Filotimo is about helping one another. Filotimo is important because it's what makes the world a better place. Huh. So how ironic is it that you had all the people that have contributed to devastating our nation and pushing everything but Filotimo, schooling you on it, right? The words were great and a lot of them were wrong. The Filotimo is not, oh, you know, don't you have any Filotimo for your parents? It's not about your parents. It's not about your name. It's about honor to yourself. And when you do good, right, for others, it's because you honor yourself. You know you have good, so you're giving good, right? And then, and then that person receives that good, it amplifies their good, and they give to someone else. That was the whole basis of it, honoring yourself, right? Uh, I, 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 that's, I mean, my grandma would always tell me that too. I, oh, stupid little American, don't you have any filotimo? Like, turn your music down. She would tell me that. She's like, don't you have respect of loving the other that you have the music on? Because, you know, they siesta there, right? So I'd be back, you know, at my grandma's house after spending the whole morning at the beach to eat dinner. Dinner's at noon, right? One o'clock. And then everybody takes a siesta until five. And at that point, you know, I'm like hyped up. I just had a big meal. I'm ready to go to the beach again, but I don't go at high noon between noon and three. You don't go because you're going to scorch regardless how you tan. And so I would push out, you know, music. And my grandma would be like, don't you have filotimo? And I'm like, what do you mean? Respect for someone else? I, you know, I would ask these questions, but to understand it, it's just, just do it. Cause it's the good thing to do. And filotimo makes you feel good. Kind of like, the story of the of of the head of the church and the mayor they sent all the jews away they hid them and then they put their own names on the list even though they weren't jewish and said that's the list of the jews there you go it's just us two that's it they put their names on a list why they knew that they're going to probably execute them they knew that this would be not ending well for them they but it was the right thing to do it was the right thing to do you don't think about that well, what's going to happen to this? You know, um, I had read um, St. Paul's analysis. Ooh, I It was so long ago. And I remember thinking to myself, huh, that makes sense. So it was like an analysis by someone of impl implementing things that he was telling the Romans, right? And then I thought to myself, so what he's saying is um, by doing this good, even though the soldier would, you know, the person that's doing it, I, I imagined as a soldier, right? Doesn't have to be. The man who was doing this was battling from the analysis as they were writing. The thought was that the person, the guy, man, you know, patriarchal type, um, would think about his wife and his children. That if he did something, then he would not be coming back with the food, with the coin that they would need. And it was like, if you're doing this good, your wife and children will be taken care of. Does that resonate? Do you understand that concept? So if you do something selfless, if you do something because it's good, that the sacrifice you do won't have a negative impact 
on those that you leave behind. It was kind of like that. So I thought since it's Greek Independence Day, why not showcase a very special word to me? That is a very special word to me. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, uh, it's honoring your, your duty. Um, there is a professor who was showcased. I, I, I saw this clip and I thought you might like to see it because you guys saw it. George Stephanopoulos, Ariana Huffington, all these people that have destroyed us and destroyed the truth. They're sitting there preaching. Again, it'll be a little bit more about this, but this is where they say how it's a word that, that, that is non-translatable. I want you guys to just listen to the words that they say. There is no word in the English language for the random moments that give birth to eternal questions. No word for the deep awareness and desire to do good and demand so from others. There is no word in the English language that blends a sense of individual purpose with the certainty that life is held in common. There is no word for doing your work with pride where you expect no reward or when you always do more than is expected of you when recognized just once for what you did. No word for facing up to fear and still break the day with humbleness that outlasts all hardship. No word for what makes you stand up and fight when you could have just gone gently into the night. There is no word in the English language to describe love of honor or the honor of love and the tragic void of one without the other. There is no word that measures friendship in a stranger or for the comfort that fills the empty moments you hold with people you trust. There is no word to say you're sorry that matters more than making up for it. No word to measure virtue against its own reward. No word for that space between your freedom and mine, neither for the power of duty to give ones up for the sake of another's, none too for the half-heard cry of liberty growing in the stillness between two waves of the sea. There is no word to describe the art of unwrapping the gift of life in the present. No word for the need to live in a better word. Dang, so that kind of sums it up. That's a lot of words, right? But it's that in-between place that everyone feels. That in-between of, I'm just going to do it because it's good and it doesn't matter if it's going to ping back on me. It's all fine because it'll be fine because it pinged back on me. It's uh, love of honor, but honoring love. And uh, that, I think, was the most key phrase there. And it was so beautifully done. Um, the one professor, Gregory uh, Nagy, that they showed, he actually um, is a classics professor, teaches about the Odyssey and all that stuff um, at Harvard. And he breaks down the philosophy of this mindset. So um, if we take it back down to the core and we think about times of yore, right, where there was no structured society and there were huts, right? There was always a hierarchy and people understood that some people um, will do better to show the world um, uh, facts, you know, um, guidance, you know, gu guiding that ship, as they say, right? Guiding the ship, guiding the ship. You don't want, you know, someone that doesn't know how to guide a ship in turmulous waters. You want someone that knows how to navigate. But the thing is, it's the people that need to know and understand that the person knows how to navigate. So how do they identify it, right? It comes down to 
understanding. Well, before all that, before all that education where we were supposedly grunting and grinding stones and the men would go out and hunt and the women would make babies and cook because they're better at multitasking, not because we can't hunt. Um, you know, that's, it is what it is. Um, people trusted each other, right? And, you know, a lot of people, uh, I get a lot of flack from it from family and friends. Why do you trust people when they, you know, when you don't know them, right? And it's like, why not? Why would I not trust someone I don't know? If I assume that um, every person that I meet is bad, then my world is pretty crappy. That's number one. Number two, it's not just a Greek thing. Philotimo lies in every single person. It's just when does that come up? When does it, you know, come up to the surface and, 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 and dominate that person's words, feelings, and actions? You know, betrayal is something that I'm not unfamiliar with. <laughs> I'm very familiar with it. So familiar with it. Um, imagine that there was a person that everybody pounded on, right? So true story, no name. There was this person who was being persecuted by the, um, the outlet that they wrote for. And then, you know, like the mainstream media and they were devastated and nobody would talk to them. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know how I'm going to feed my family. I don't know this. And I was like, I'm here. I didn't know this person. I knew this person because we worked together, but we never connected, but still a person. I reached out my hand and I said, Hey, I can, I can help you. You like to write. You can use my platform. Come here. And here's full access to this, full access to this, full access to this. And whatever Google ads pays, you can take it. It's all yours and you can have access to it so you can see it. Um, so that way you're not fearful. Well, why are you so nice? Why not? If we're supposed to be helping each other, come. <laughs> it's that same person that gave people access to my emails to delete the server. It's that same person that while I was crying and trying to figure out how I can help my friend, Millie Weaver, was stabbing me in the back while still lending me an ear when I was crying. Yes, that person doesn't have philotimo. That person is pure out evil, right? This is spilling tea without names. And I maintained that and I saw the evil come out when the person was like, oh my gosh, Millie got all this money. And how do we know that it's going here? And I was like, why weren't you happy that she has the financial ability to pay for lawyers? She's in jail. It was disgusting. And this per person Bible thumps, that's even worse. And I stayed and I stayed and I stayed. I tried to reach out. I said, you don't want to do, you know, I, I, that put me off. But I thought maybe they'll come too. It wasn't like that. They didn't come too. In fact, they became part of the problem. You know, Let's skip George Nagy. Let me show you what the real problem was with January 6th. You want to see it? It's not going to be pretty.
I'm going to introduce you to a movie that I didn't really want to show, but we did a movie night so you can see it. This movie that had everybody, had all the amazing patriots like Cash Patel, like our General Flynn, right? We watched it together, didn't we? Do you know who was part of this movie, but suddenly their name was removed after they got into a bit of a pickle? Ali Akbar. His boyfriend was in this movie, that Daniel Bostic, you know the one that I had showed you on video saying that Ali Akbar was sent from God? So these people are quite tight with um, the administration for some people. Ah, people love them because, you know, when you have money, people love you, right? <laughs> Let me show you that movie. That is how Ali Akbar penetrated the movement. That movie, actually, it's actually that woman. This woman. Who even had her boyfriend try to infiltrate another journalist. I mean, it sounds sick, but this person. Oh, such heroes, right? This is why they were allowed to penetrate the movements, you guys. Because they all got together to put this movie together. Right? Look, we're doing so much good for you. <laughs> Let's be friends. And then Lincoln Project, Fon Jewel Brothers, you know, and then Hollywood Money. Oh, let me let me just tell you who this person is, okay? This person is Hollywood, right? Where's, oh, we need to go. They, uh, the dad had, um, come on, where is it? How do I find it for everyone? Um, oh, she works with Sebastian Gorka. No, that's where she appeared. But um, there were movies that, you know, in Hollywood were created by daddy. This is Hollywood. Millie Shadowgate was actually whistleblowers. This was collecting information and putting it together. These people are the reason Ali Akbar was able to orchestrate the January 6th infiltration. Do you understand that? These are. Oh, Dirty Harry. Her dad did that one. Conan the Barbarian, her dad did that one. Yeah. So she's she comes from old money. So she made these, these movies. Um, so it was this contact that had accessed everyone for interviews that was the one that facilitated it. See, they 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 went and infiltrated the Patriots by saying, We're gonna make a movie about this that this Russia thing was a hoax. We all know it was a hoax. But this is why they got in. What did they do? They created a movie. Look, I'm making a movie about you. You can trust me. I'm showing the world that you were screwed. Trust me. I'm showing the world that you were screwed. They interviewed all our patriots and none, right? All of them and none. You see his boyfriend, he was removed from the list, but he was part of the project. You see what people don't seem to understand is that that's how they come in. They come in like a Trojan horse with gifts. You want to know how they had access to this stuff through this. That's how they did it. We're going to show that Russiagate was a hoax and we're going to do it together. Yet within that, they had a 
shit ton of assets, gaining closer to them, petting. I mean, come on, we're all human. We love to be embraced. We love to be hugged. We love to be told that we are right when we were wrongfully accused. We love all of that. But betrayal, man, that's how they do it. No one's going to stab you in the back when you're not looking at them. They're going to hug you and stab you in the back. That's the way it happens. You want to know how this was organized? Willingly, unwillingly, nobody knows. But this is how it is. They lured them in, kind of like, you know, Akbar, you know, oh, we should do a truce. We should all be working together. You heard Millie was told that. We were all told that. Just be nice. We're all supposed to be on the same team. Fuck that. They're not on the Team America. They're on team themselves. They're on Team Project Lincoln. They're on Lincoln Project. <laughs> okay, we're going to change it up, right? Truman National Security Institute, Truman National Security Council, Project Lincoln, Lincoln Group, Lincoln Project, same fucking shit, swapping the names. You see what I'm saying? When they're going to stab you in the back, they're going to be hugging you while they do it. So you can't see that it was their hand stabbing you, but you know it. So this is how it goes. Think about it. Who else was close to the campaign in the White House? That had a direct link to all the clowns that orchestrated this. That's what's up. And you know, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't filed my FBI cyber complaint of who stole my emails and who hijacked my website to delete it. Because it turns out that the person that was the most proximal that had access to it was also part of this group. You see how that works? Infiltration. So I know that there's a lot of journalists out there that are writing their little write-ups. But um, people can see. People can understand. People can see who um, how this linchpin goes. People can see. People can see. Everybody can see. Because now your eyes can see. This is how they move along. And it doesn't mean that the director did it, but it doesn't mean that they didn't. It doesn't mean that, you know, huh, but they're all associated together and they cozied up to Sidney Powell, cozied up to General Flynn, cozied up to the Trump campaign, cozied up to the children of the president, cozied up to everybody, Judas, right? This, and, and, and you know what? You can actually see it from the trailer, how... The betrayal was oozing from it. Now, with that in mind, watch it. Well, I can't play the ad. I'll wait for it. Um, so now you're going to see the trailer and understand how they infiltrated. This is how infiltration happens. This is how it happened. Now the Russiagate hoax is all documented. There was an illusion being created using the most awesome tools and the greatest tricks that the American intelligence community had learned to use against our enemies. Now it was being deployed against the American people and our president. This is the biggest political scandal in modern history, which makes Watergate look like a, a tiff. The FBI director has no credibility. The left used to not trust the FBI, and now they love them. 
this can happen to General Michael T. Flynn. Imagine what they do to anybody who has a single strike against them. 35 Russian diplomats in the U.S. expelled. The prosecution of General Flynn wasn't a pursuit of criminal activity. It was a setup. Flynn actually had details. So he was talking about going after people's budgets. They were terrified. Media didn't start as neutral. Media hasn't been neutral all its life. The two faces of Hillary Clinton are coming out. The fact through WikiLeaks that she says one thing uh, and Oh no. They worked hand in glove with Comey to try to delegitimize Trump. They were not there to tell the truth. A political dirty trick is being carried out by our intelligence community. Honestly, none of us really know sort of holistically what to think about this dossier. They went into Congress. They said, there's nothing here. Doesn't matter. We'll keep going with FISA. We'll keep going with the investigation. And more importantly, we will go on TV day in and day out and lie to the American people to their face. And nothing's going to happen to us. The nation and all of our freedoms hang by a thread. And the military apparatus of this country is about to be handed over to scum. who are beholden to scum. Russian scum. We had not one person claim that they had or had seen evidence of Trump colluding with the Russians. Devin Nunes was the hero in the forest. He was alone. He was mocked. He was attacked. Devin Nunes was subject to such scorn for saying the conclusions that we brought forth in that report, which all proved to be true. Russia Gate was a false story. To target their political opposition, to carry out their insurance policies. I believe that this is a conspiracy. These guys have perpetrated the greatest crime against the American people ever seen. It was a coup d'etat. This is how sick and twisted these people are. I recently confirmed that on numerous occasions, the intelligence community incidentally collected information about U.S. citizens involved in the Trump transition. It was shocking to see some of the overclassification that was done to hide either corruption or abuse of us. We're doing not just the Democratic Party and their operatives, but also the FBI. If I were writing about the time frame that we lived in and that we're living in now, I would say it wasn't supposed to happen. They weren't supposed to know. The entire time this was going on, they thought this was going to be what sunk the Donald Trump presidency. And they were just looking for the golden goose and they still have would say, Tori, this is nuts. They helped. Well, let me tell you a story about how we helped too, in a way. So um, there's a nation, ABC, and we want to infiltrate the leader's rank so we could take them down. So we sacrificed two Americans that were unknowing, right? This is speculation. This is made up, of course. And we say these people are the ones that did it and uh, brought an uprising in your government. Let's keep this under wraps. We don't need our nation to know. We're with you. We're with you. So the leaders are like, wow, you just broke it wide open. And indeed, maybe those people were tasked to create the uprise, but they got caught on purpose and sacrificed them. And they died, beheaded, whatever. Here you go. And they infiltrated that government because they were friends. They gave up their own people to show how friendly they were to the leader so they can get into those ranks and rub those elbows. It's the oldest trick in the book. It's like a Trojan horse, only with people. So here, oh, let me, let me showcase. Look, the whole movie, 
doesn't have anything special except for video clips and interviews. That's it. There was research being done and they took clips and put them together. It was just a nice YouTube video that was more elaborate, right? But they had a lot of people that they got to speak because they were like, yo, we're making this big thing and we're going to show it that it was a plot against you, which it was. And the left, or I shouldn't say the left, the deep state, right? And yesterday you were introduced to uh, another layer of it closer to the core was fine with them taking that win because they had no leg to stand on. Sure. I mean, now that everybody knows that the Russia hoax was a hoax, it doesn't matter if it's out. We're going to sacrifice that and let the people have that, right? Let the little people have that because if we give it to the people and everyone's like, oh, it's just a leftist, it's just a righty conservative thing, no big deal. We've just made friends with people we need in order to bring this shit home. And it just so happened to happen before the election because all that material wasn't available before, before, right? A year before. You see what I'm trying to say? This is how infiltration works. Everybody knew it was a Russia hoax. Even the left did. And they knew that in 2018. They knew it in 2019. So this, these pieces of video of Comey testifying and Mueller and stuff, this could have been done in 2019. So it would have gone and passed before the election, but no, they needed something right then and there a month before the elections. So they could be in the inner circle and say, look what we did. Bounce it, show it, show the people. It's going to be great. Cause it's going to be more for like the elections to wake people up. No, it's not. Nobody watched it. The minute you prop up president Trump, the lefties turn off anyway. Yeah. Okay. He won by 120 million. They didn't need you. His policies, the way he gave back control of the economy to the people, energy independence. That's what got him elected. We didn't need any fancy movie. The people that he had by him, like Grinnell, his son, right? Nunez, Patel, all of those people were the ones that got him elected. Not this. This is what caused January 6th. This was the gateway to allow them to infiltrate and cause the changes. Women for America first had the venues. They had the permits. The power was above them when those were hijacked. And this is how they did it. Well, you're part of this movie. We totally love you. So you listen to us, okay? Don't listen to them. We know best. So we're going to do this. We're going to be doing that, okay? For sure. This is how it goes. You get what I'm saying? So then on this end, you people need to understand that how can we trust anyone? Well, look, what were they doing? Why were they doing it now? Because someone convinced him what? That this is going to help him get reelected? He was reelected by the left anyway. 120 million strong. They could say 80 million. I'm telling you, 120 million strong. On a clear-cut election, 120 million people voted for this man based on what he did for the economy, based on what he did for the people, and how he handled himself through this BS control of virus. He tried his best, and they infiltrated him in every single facet. Like I said, there were so many times that I thought to myself, shit, I can't even fathom waking up in the morning and looking at the water next to my bed thinking, can I drink it? This is how they infiltrated the people they needed to slot in the ranks 
to get access was because of this. You understand that? Because of this. That's how they infiltrate. I know firsthand, <laughs> I know firsthand on that. Because no matter how much kindness you extend to someone, no matter how much love you show someone, no matter how much loyalty and devotion you show someone, if that someone is evil, they will hate you for being good. No matter how much you show someone that your nation being independent is important, no matter how much you show someone, you know, how they can help their community, they will hate you because you can do it and they can't. This is why actual facts were suffocated. This is why it was allowed to go on. What was supposed to be a vessel supposedly to help the re-election of our president by using a movie that did nothing but cut and paste, you know, video and then slot in, you know, key players that are politicians basically and the people that were part of this show, right? Because you're watching a movie. It did nothing. It didn't provide anything new. We had already seen it. We already knew the sham. There was nothing. Oh, whoa, look at that. Tell me. It, we watched it. We did a watch party, right? Was there anything in there that that movie showed you that you didn't watch play out in real life? So that movie was used as a vessel. That was the Trojan horse to get access to people. I mean, that's like infiltration 101. That's like the oldest trick in the book. The oldest trick in the book. There are YouTube videos that talk about the Russia hoax that are 20 million times better than that. And they didn't even need to interview people. But that's what happens. The person that made the movie vouched for certain people. The person that made the movies, you know, and the people that worked on it infiltrated the movement. You see, these are your enemies. The same damn titles and tiaras. That stroke and said, look, we'll do it. Stop. You see it? You see it now? Hmm. That's the thing. When you take a step back, you'll see they use this movie as a Trojan horse to gather that clout, to infiltrate, and then strike. And you saw that on January 6th. They attracted every single one of them. Oh, come, let's interview you. We're making this great movie. Take a look. It's so amazing. We've got great people. Daniel Bostic, not great people. Okay. You know, he was uh, Ali Akbar's flavor of the month. You saw that crazy video where he was like, Ali sent from God. Like he was insane. Right. Like he was insane. I guess he's never been fudged in his, in his life before like that, man, you have no idea how, how sick these people are and what they're willing to do. That was a Trojan horse. That's how they roll. And that's a dose of truth that a lot of you don't want to see. But now when you see it with that context, you get it. You think to yourself, that movie wasn't help getting reelected. There's no way any lefty would see it. The far gone lefties and say, oh yeah, totally. He got screwed. They all know he did. They all know Russia, Russia, Russia was bullshit. They all do. We all did. We saw it play out live. 
Like even they were tired of, oh, shoot, connection disconnected. Oh, like we didn't know that. We don't see the memes. We don't see the videos. What are we all dumb? They're starting to realize that the people are starting to realize a lot. <laughs> what is it? We're going to play that song when we, uh, when I close off for today, but you can see clearly now the rain is gone and the rain of dazzling memes and oohs and ahs and tweets. Twitter did you a favor. It's gone. It's gone. Their own people sold you out for oohs and ahs and for whoever was the highest bidder. That's what happened. Now, could, could the director have been in on it? Maybe, maybe not unwilling asset, but the people that surrounded, uh, not so innocent. That's the way it is. So when people ask, how is it that Ali Akbar got in there? I mean, Ali Akbar didn't even have seats to see the president. He ambushed the place. He didn't even have passes. How did he get in there? I'm the one that was part of the movie. I'm the one that's doing stop the steal. I'm the, I'm the, I'm the, Yes, see, that's how infiltration works. Oh, Tori, you're just salty because he's talking shit about you and caused harm to your children. <laughs> I had everything on Akbar from years ago. I have the blackmail he has on Cernovich. I've got blackmail. I've seen all the blackmail that he has on people. I've seen all of it. I know exactly who he is. And I told everyone. I told them, all of them. I was there telling them, you fucked up. We should just all be friends. You fucked up. You let them destroy this day because you thought they were your friends. Huh. No one said don't make friends. No one says don't trust. When, when you have information and you refuse to see it because your friend told you don't look, that's a big problem. That should be your red flag. When someone says, here's some information and you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to look at it because my friend told me not to look at it. <laughs> Interesting. So um, on that note, God bless everyone. I have to leave. Another doctor's appointment. I will see you guys tomorrow on Twitch. We're going to be raiding. And Trovo, I'm going to try to raid. God bless everyone. I can see clearly now. I can see all obstacles in my way Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind It's gonna get bright, bright, sunshiny day It's gonna be a bright, bright, sunshiny day